So as many of you are aware, we got this beautiful piano over here gifted to us by the Peppers. It's been probably a year and a half ago, I guess, when they moved. Um, we were quite enamored with it. If you don't know, it plays itself. Uh, it'll do all kinds of things. It'll have an accompaniment that goes with it and, and just does all, all manner of things. And we got it, and um, not too long after we got it, we seemed to have a hard time with it. It wasn't working quite right. I mean, it would play, but it wouldn't play itself, and there's some other features it wouldn't, poor Judy couldn't get it to do, and so if you notice, there were a number of Sunday mornings that Mike and I and a few others would stand up here aimlessly, you know, pushing buttons on this device trying to get this piano to work. Uh, of course, we consulted the internet. That didn't help. Uh, I think we might even talk to somebody who knew what they were doing. That didn't help very much. We, Mike would take the batteries out and jump on the box. That didn't work. Um, Every once in a while, it just kind of happened to work. We didn't know what was wrong with it. And Judy comes in a couple of Sundays ago and said uh, she found out there was a, like a manual. And when she opened that, we realized there was just a button you had to push to turn it on. <laughs> and the moral of that story was just open the book, right? Years before, when I was living in Louisville, I thought, um, this was back before I was working, you know, six jobs, and I thought, uh, you know, maybe I should try golfing. And so I'd met a young man, he was in high school, and he said his dream was to grow up and, and be a golf pro. And I said, do you want to try with me? And he was like, are you serious? And I was like, sure. Uh, good Christian man. So I would, I would pay the green fees, and he would, we'd trade out lessons, basically, and he, he taught me how to play golf. And uh, we were probably a couple months into this, going, you know, two or three times a month. And he would, poor guy, he would try to explain it. And I think he was, he was doing a good job. I just wasn't quite, quite getting it. And, uh, and so I looked at him one day. I said, do you, have a, do you have like a book on this or something? He's like, a book? I was like, yeah, yeah. He goes, yeah, okay. So next time we meet, he brings the uh, Idiot's Guide to Golfing. <laughs> Many of you are familiar with that series I hear. And uh, so I said, thanks. So we, we played. And about two weeks later, uh, we met up to play again. And um, we got about halfway done. He said, what did you do? Did you, like, practice while I was, you know, without me? I was like, no, I read your book. <laughs> now, I tend to learn that way. But uh, anyway, it was just as simple as opening that book as well. And so these two stories have, have got me uh, to thinking about where we're at today in 2023, getting ready to turn the chapter, as you will, into a new year. And it made me ponder, how often do we seek advice in all the wrong ways? How often do we seek advice in all the wrong ways? Um, many times we go to a trusted friend for advice. I've, I've told you before, Brother uh, Josh Gregory, uh, many, many times when I've really been in my most urgent need, he won't answer the phone. And that often teaches me a lesson that while it's not wrong to have friends and friends that give you advice, it's often wrong to go to them first. And so sometimes my moments of need or question, when I call, he doesn't answer. Then I am jogged in my memory that maybe I should consult the Lord first, right? And so many times we go to friends and family, and there's nothing wrong with that at all, rather than go to the Lord. Sometimes we consult with an expert. Um, some of you all have done that with me, even though I don't hold myself out to be an expert. You'll ask, ask me for help understanding uh, a passage or a concept. Uh, we might go to somebody else who's an expert in scripture or the thing in life we're trying to accomplish, and sometimes that can be helpful. Sometimes we just try and try and try and try again, 
as you do with the piano, just over and over and over every Sunday. Sometimes we go to Google to get advice. Sometimes, um, well, sometimes we just refuse to ask for help. Sometimes we're embarrassed. Sometimes we're prideful. And sometimes it's out of ignorance. And the point of all this that I want to make here is that to answer many of the questions that we have in life, we can go to an expert, we can go to a trusted friend, we can try and try and try. We can refuse to ask for help or seek help because of pride or ignorance. We can search the internet till the internet comes to an end. But so many times we avoid just opening this book. Really. So many times we just avoid opening this book. Now, sometimes, I'll grant it, it's more challenging than others. If you're wanting to address some of the pressing issues in our current society, you'll have to know the book a little bit better. But I think the answers are in there. And the answers are in there for a multiple number of reasons, because it is, and we'll talk about here in just a minute, the, the Word of God, the inspired Word of God. Every bit of it was written down for us, for us to take and to use and to live. It's our guidebook. It's our map. It's everything we need to know about how to live a holy life. And so many times we try to do it ourselves and try and do the same thing or ask someone or whatever without actually consulting the book. And so I want to combine all of this, if it makes sense, just like Sister Judy said a few weeks ago, just, just open up the book. Just open the book. And so as we go into a new year, I want to talk about that. As we leave one and enter a new one, I want to think about what did we leave unfinished in 2023? What didn't you get done? My list is really long, and some of y'all might have a long list, too. What could have been done better this year? That kind of hurts in some ways, doesn't it? What could we have done better? What did you need help with? Now, because I know so many of you so well, and I know that you're like me, let me rephrase that question. What did you need help with but didn't ask for? <laughs> Many of us like to do it all on our own, don't we? Who should you have sought guidance from? Now, those are all fine questions to ask ourselves, but we have to ask ourselves those questions in the opposite direction as well as we stand a few hours away from a new year. What challenges do you expect to face next year? What do you want to do better at? next year who do you need to get help from next year and how will you get it i think the answer to part of those is open the book we need to be in the word we need to be of the word we need to be people who are studying the scriptures i don't care how many times you've read it i don't care how many times you've opened it you need to be involved with it engaged with it every single day hopefully multiple times of a day, because the more that you know it, the more you grow closer to the Lord. This is one of the primary ways that he speaks and communicates with us, and we have access to it. I'm sure all of us have more Bibles than we possibly could even count in our home and in our cars and sit in different places. We have access to the Word of God all the time. We carry it around in our pockets now that we have smartphones and all these different devices, and yet I wonder if we're any more apt to read it than we used to be. So no matter what we come to face in 2024, whether we continue seeing some of the, um, we'll just say, shenanigans that we've seen this last year, 
whether it gets worse or whether it gets better, whether you have a better year or a worse year, whether you have answers to most of the questions that come up next year or you don't, the Word of God should always be consulted and engaged with. We cannot avoid it. We cannot get out from underneath it. And what I want to do is just spend a few minutes of time today very briefly explaining some scriptures that point out why this is so important. And I want to pause here and just say real quick, um, I don't think, I don't know, maybe some of you ignore me sometimes, don't agree. Um, but this is, this is applicable to everybody who <laughs> can't read, all the way up to those who've been reading for 80 or more years. Absolutely applicable. And so don't think because of your age, your station in life, that you're ever uninfluenced by the Word of God. So let's talk about this for a minute. Romans 15 and 4. Romans 15 and 4. I just want to read one verse out of here. I'm going to just pick a few verses as we move through some Scripture today. Romans 15 and 4 says the following, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. So I think this is a reminder and a good demonstration to us that we should not neglect the things that have been written before, and I think the implication here is the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament today. Apostle Paul very likely wrote the book of Romans and is reminding them that we shouldn't just say, well, this is the end of the Old Testament and we should never study it, but rather, and instead, we should make sure that we engage with that. I can tell you that over the years, not only my life, but my preaching and my studying and everything that I've done has been uh, enhanced by reading the Old Testament. And there are certainly sections of it that are very difficult. The lineages are hard to read. They're hard to pronounce. The book of Numbers can be a challenge. Leviticus is very challenging. But the reality is there is so much in the Old Testament. If you would only begin to go back and to look, you will find all types of wisdom that can be applied today. You will see all types of things, the shadowing and the forecasting of Jesus Christ's coming, as we talked about last Sunday and have talked about before. We can go back in the Old Testament and see the beauty of the Scripture unfold before us. And we can also see all the men and women who, because of God's grace, triumphed. And we can see all the times that they failed, and yet God loved them anyway. Because the story of those who were in the Scripture is not a story about how great they were. It's a story about God's redeeming love for us. That no matter how far we get off the path, He loves us and wants us back to Him. So we should engage this next year, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And we see from this that it was written to give us hope and encouragement. 2023 has been a challenging year for many of us, some of us incredibly challenging. In some ways, in my own personal life, it doesn't feel like anything has slowed down from late 2020, which was not a pleasant year for most of us. And it seems to continue on and continue forward, so if you're looking for hope and encouragement, read the Scriptures, both old and new. We cannot and should not seek to get away from them and it will encourage us and give us strength as we move forward and hope for the future. Another thing we know about the Scriptures is in Matthew 24 and 35. Again, this is a little bit unusual for me just to jump from Scripture to Scripture, but I want to get through this and encourage us. Matthew 24 and 35. 
Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. We talked recently about heaven. We talked about hell. We talked about a variety of things that come near the end. When all this is gone, you know what remains? This does. The Word of God. When everything you own is gone, when you are long dead and buried, when you have hopefully those who are saved or up in heaven, you know what remains? The Word of God. I don't think we place this in the context that we should. I don't think we realize exactly what this is, how important it is that we read the Scripture. This is something that was from the beginning, that is and will forever be, and we have the opportunity to read it, to engage with it, to let us enrich our lives, to let it to teach us and guide us, to go to it for a resource of not only how we should live, but how to solve problems and confront challenges, how to praise the Lord, how to do everything in life that needs to be done. The book gives the answer for it, and it will survive past the end of this world and on into the new heaven. It's beautiful to think about, and it's powerful to meditate on. We should, as a believing people, be engaged with it. And I will pause there and mention something that I've said before. Even if you're not a believing person yet, you should read the scripture. The prelude to my salvation when I was around 18 was someone who challenged me to begin praying every day and talking to God as I'm talking to you now, and also to read the scripture. And I began to read the scripture uh, very avidly. <laughs> I'd take it to, I took it to high school. I'd sit there and read it in class. I mean, not, you know, well, <laughs> maybe sometimes. But I would take it to school, and when I wasn't doing something else, I would take out the Bible and read it. And you know what? It was surprising, even in high school, in a public high school, there were more people who had positive comments about it than negative. But you know, that reading of the Scripture, and the, and the Lord, I began to work in my life through that. It began to open things up to me. And what it did is I think it helped soften my heart that when He finally came and spoke to me again, that uh, night in July, and that I finally confessed and truly repented and truly believed in him. I think it was the scriptures that helped to get me there. It helped to prepare and soften my heart. And so my message, among other things today, is those of us who are believers should absolutely be engaged in reading the scriptures. And maybe if you're not a believer yet, or you aren't sure, then you need to be reading the scripture even more. Because it is, as I said, the primary way that God speaks through us. And the Holy Spirit will reveal God's work and God's life through the scriptures. So we need to be reading them because after all, they will last forever. Isaiah talks about the scriptures. I've been in Isaiah a lot the last month or two. Isaiah 55 and 11. A common passage, Isaiah 55 and 11. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in all things whereinto I sent it. You see, we are understanding again here that the word of God, the things that he has told us, goes out and it's going to accomplish its goal. There is power in the word of God. There are things that we should be reading about and thinking about. 
If we want to accomplish God's will for our life, and we should, we should begin by reading the Word of God and making sure it is in our hearts, in our minds, in every fabric of our being, in every part of who we are, intricately woven together. It should be a part of our thoughts and our daily actions so that we can fulfill what God would have us to fulfill and do what he would have us to do. Not only does the word last forever and never passes away, it will not fail and it will accomplish his will. So let me go back to something I said earlier. What are your goals and plans for next year? What do you want better or different? What do you want to have the same? Because the reality is when we begin to engage with the word of God, we will either find that our plans are either confirmed and supported or perhaps they are changed. We should be open to that as well, shouldn't we? Because doing what it is that God wants us to do is always the right thing to do, whether we like it or not. And so we need to make sure that we are engaging with the word because it is going to go forth and it will not return void. That means it will have its intended purpose and it shall prosper the things whereinto I send it. If you want to have a prosperous year, and this is not a prosperity gospel, but if you want to have a good prosperous year in 2024, this right here is the best place to start. Absolutely the best place to start. I'm not saying you're going to get what you want, but what I'm saying is God will use this to move in your life, and that is the best way to have a new year. I want to turn again to Hebrews chapter 4. I'll be here for just a minute if you want to turn with me. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. Again, very familiar passage. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the hearts. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto his eye, unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. That is a great uh, concluding sentence right before the next, which is so powerful, seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Hard to know where to stop in the book of Hebrews. It is beautifully written and wonderfully true. But I want to look at this for just a minute. We can run over this. Perhaps this is one that you could almost say verbatim or very closely, but maybe we fail to slow down here. It says, The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. That means that it is living and it is active and it is powerful. The Word of God is living and active and full of power. This is the beauty of what the Scripture is. Now, it's not, it's not in this book technically. It's not physically that this book is alive, but the Spirit of God testifies to it, and that makes it alive. And if you want, again, power in your life, God's power in your life, then you get there through the Word of God. It can also do things that we can't possibly imagine. What is the difference between soul and spirit? I've asked this question before. I've studied it before. I don't know that I've come to a firm conclusion. My answer is this. I'm not really sure, but the Word of God is. And that's the point that it's trying to get to here. I think the Scripture is trying to express, both through spiritual and non-spiritual terms, that the Scripture can 
cut divinely down and separate the most intimate parts of our lives. The part that we can't tell the difference in. And we all know what that's like sometimes if you try to follow the Lord. Sometimes it's hard to know, is this something that I want or is this something the Lord's telling me to do? You ever been there? The Spirit of God knows the difference. The Word of God can help you distinguish the difference between your desires and what, the God, what God wants you to do. It can divide these things. It can reveal these things. But you know what? Sometimes cutting hurts, doesn't it? Sometimes. Sometimes we read the scriptures and we realize that we have gone in error and we must come back. Sometimes we are exposed and realize this is not the path to go. Now, the goal of everything in the Christian walk would be to never get to that point, wouldn't it? The goal would be to learn and to grow in your knowledge of the scripture so that you don't have to go down the wrong path and fall into sin that easily entangles and trips us up and then to suffer the consequences. The goal would be to never take that path to begin with, but you cannot and will not do that unless you are engaged in the word of God. It's not a one-time thing. We need it constantly. The word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It can tell the difference, the complete and whole person, all the way to our deepest parts, and exposes and judges the very thoughts and intentions that we have. That's really amazing, isn't it? The word of God exposes our thoughts and our intentions. I will tell you that sometimes I don't know that I know my thoughts and intentions. You ever feel like that? But the Word of God can expose it. When you get in and begin to study, God will reveal Himself to you, and that will allow us to know the difference between what it is that we're thinking and what it is that we want and need, and will speak to us in ways that are just impossible for us to understand. I want to go to 2 Peter. 2 Peter 1, 19 through 21, into the chapter. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well to take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawns and the day star rises in your heart, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old times by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. <coughs> I preached in the last half of this verse recently, so we're going to go over that part fairly quickly. But I want to talk at the beginning here. It says, we have a more sure word of prophecy to take heed unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Brothers and sisters, we live in a very dark place. And if you don't believe me, turn on your television, turn on your phone, and you will find out just how dark it is. In fact, just a few days ago, a group of people began storming Christian churches and murdering Christians. Some of you all may not have heard about that. Some of you not on mainstream television, may have seen the videos I saw where they literally cut them apart while they were alive because they believe in Jesus Christ. No joke, 2023. 
This is, in fact, the dark world that we live in. This is the evil that we face. The battle that we wage is certainly not against flesh and blood, but let's not fool ourselves into thinking that it doesn't impact our very flesh and our blood. Brothers and sisters, we need to have the word of God alive in our hearts so that we can stand up for these things, so that even in the darkest days, there is a light that shines. Let's take that to a U.S.-based focus here, because that's where all of us are at today. We continue to have a dark world that says up is down and down is up and left is right and right is left and all these different types of things. You can go out and pick any gender that you want to. You can be whatever you want to. You can do all these different things. Can you stand up and use scripture to back up your beliefs on these issues? Can you tell me from the scripture why abortion is wrong? Can you tell me the difference between a man and a woman based on scripture? Can you use scripture to say why you shouldn't say that something is false if it's true or true if it's false? Can you use the scripture that God has given us to confront the darkness, using it as a light, holding it up to a lost and dark world, saying this is light, this is truth, and that is wrong, and that is darkness? I commend many of you because you would be able to tell me that these things are right or wrong, depending on the subject, but many of us and much less of us would be able to use the scripture to answer these questions. And if we want to be light in a dark world, the light is the scripture. It's not our opinion. It's not what we think we know. It is indeed what the scripture clearly states. That light, it says, will shine in a dark place until when? Until the day dawns and the day star rises. Until Jesus Christ comes back. This is our light. This is what we use to go into the world, into a dark place, and shine the light of God's grace and God's mercy and say what truth is, is the Word of God. And if you do not know the Word of God, if it is not living and an active part of who you are, then you are not shining very brightly. Think back to just a few nights ago when we had our candlelight service, and we start with just a few, and it's very dark, and as there's more candles that are lit, the brighter it gets. And then at the end, I hold it up on purpose because as we all raise our candles, it becomes even brighter. If you want a brighter world, the scripture is your place to start. We also see that this is um, God breathed and that Christ spoke into the men who wrote this down. I like the version that says, instead of moved by the Holy Spirit, it says carried along. That's, that's a great way of explaining that. There's a, a song I remember in high school that I loved that talked about being carried along by the Holy Spirit. The idea here is that the men who wrote down the scriptures, this wasn't something that they wrote down on their own accord. It was something that God moved them to write these things down. God worked in their lives for them to write these things down. Somewhere at least around 40 people, we think, wrote the scriptures as we have them today across about 2,000 years in three different continents now imagine trying to get you know 40 people in this church to agree on what color to replace the carpet it won't work and yet somehow they all agree don't they 
Somehow the scripture is complete because God was in it from the beginning when it was first written down until the very last word when it was concluded. God was in every bit of it, moving and carrying these men along to have them write down everything we need to know to be the Christians that we ought to be, to point back to who he is, to give him glory and honor, to give us instruction and to help us know the direction that we should go in our lives. God did all of that just so that we can have this instruction manual this guidebook, this blessed letter that we have, that we can be complete in him by learning about him and learning how we should live. Complete and proficient. That is what God wants. And I will hazard to say that if you were not engaged in the scripture, you were not growing closer to him, and you were not as complete as he wants you to be. Will you engage and become more complete this next year. I want to read one final verse, I believe. I told you a lot of flipping today. Matthew 4, 4. Oops. Matthew 4, 4. Let me read 4 and 1. Jesus is being tempted. He says, Then Jesus was led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And he answered and said, It is written, Man shall, live, um, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. See, again, we are very quick to run over these scriptures because we might be familiar with them, but let us put this in context. Jesus Christ had not eaten for 40 days and 40 nights. Some of us have gone through fasts for different reasons. We've talked about that before on Sunday night for a couple of weeks. 40 days. 40 days. People will do anything to eat. Literally. Some of us, the longest we go between meals on a regular basis is maybe like six, eight hours. Some of us maybe a day, maybe two or three every once in a while if we're not feeling well or something. Maybe some of us have purposely had some type of fast where we've gone five, six, seven days, but I guarantee you none of us have actually gone 40 days. And so you think about just how bad Jesus' physical body wanted to eat something. And yet he would not fall tempt to, tempt to temptation of the devil, but instead rebuked him with what? With Scripture. Let us not forget that every time Jesus rebukes the devil, he does it with Scripture. And it is written, Man shall not eat by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Which means that the Scriptures as we have them is what sustains us. Let's look at this in the opposite direction. Maybe you have everything you need for next year. Maybe you will have everything you need for next year. You'll have enough money. You'll have an appropriate house. You'll have a car. You'll have family. You'll have friends. You'll have everything you need for next year. But you know what? That is still not enough. You need the Word of God. Maybe you'll be in the opposite situation where you won't have enough of anything that you need next year. You won't have enough money. You won't have a good house. You won't have a car. Your friends will betray you. Your family will abandon you. Whatever it is, when you are out of everything, what can you still live on? The Word of God. 
maybe you'll find yourself, as most of us, somewhere in between. Sometimes up, sometimes down. Sometimes satisfied, sometimes in want. What do we need to live full and satisfied lives? The Word of God. We are not supposed to live alone in this world, and we can't live alone in this world. We need the Word of God. I said I started with two stories, which is unusual. Let me close with one more. Christmas time, 16 years ago, Amy got me a Christmas gift. It was a little um, iPod Nano, a little voice music thing. Some of you are shaking your head. Thank you. <laughs> you got to be like a certain age, right? Because no offense, but you got too much experience in life, you don't know what I'm talking about. And you got too little, you have no idea either. There's like a 10-year age window in there. But all right, good enough. So this little device, uh, you could put audiobooks on it and different things. And um, I began while I was working night shift listening to some audiobooks, and I really enjoyed that. And um, I remember listening one night to the radio in my car, and I was listening to Dave Ramsey. I don't remember why, I just happened to be on at 4 o'clock in the morning, so I was listening. And he was talking about goal setting for the new year. And he talked about how important it was to set a goal to maybe read through the scripture. And I thought, you yeah, know, that's a pretty good idea. I should do that. And so I began searching around for how to do that. And I came across uh, something called the Daily Audio Bible. And what it is, is a gentleman, he actually lives in Nashville or outside of Nashville. And every day he reads the scripture, reads old, new Psalms and Proverbs. And if you listen every day, you will have listened to the scriptures in a year. So I just finished my 16th year of doing that, which means just in that method, I have read through the scripture completely or listened to it completely 16 times. I don't know that I can tell you how much that's changed my life. I really can't. Now, as I said, he reads it new every day. He'll change versions. Sometimes he'll pray at the end. Sometimes he explains it. It's been very beneficial and very helpful to my life. And I want to mention something else. Many of you, or maybe not many, a few of you have come, and I think uh, maybe think higher of me than you should in some ways. Some of you have come and, uh, who don't know me well and want to know, you know where I went to school and seminary and all that. I didn't go to seminary. Um, I didn't go to school for any of this. I had five classes of undergraduate in, in Bible. I had to get a minor in Bible or I went to college. Um, almost all of my learning has been personal study, and a huge amount of that has been driven by listening to the Scripture every day of my life for 16 years. It's not a great day when I don't do it. It really isn't. I will confess, some days I've paid more attention than others, as anything else in life, right? Some days you read and you're like, wait, what did I just read? And you got to reread it again. Some days I listen and I go, I don't know that I even paid attention to what it was. Oftentimes we have, uh, I've, I've done it twice because Amy will have it on when we're getting ready in the morning. And then I'll listen to it again later in the afternoon. So I don't know how many times I've read, listened to the scriptures but that combined with my regular study and preparation for sermons and all that goes into all of this and everything else, listen, that is where most of my knowledge has come from. 
That is why I can stand before you on a Sunday night and answer a random question. Or some of you have noticed how I have the ability to kind of pull scriptures out and tie them together and help you see the larger picture. It's because I have engaged myself in that larger picture for year after year after year. And if you want to be able to do the same thing, you can. So let me try and bring this together. The Word of God will last forever. It is what we need in our lives. It is the very basis of how we are to survive. It gives us guidance. It encourages us. It gives us hope. And for, it gives what the light is to the world. And for all those reasons and more, we as a people, as we look forward into 2024, should be engaging with it as much as we possibly can. That is both the written form, because there really is something about physically reading it. But you know what? The scripture actually talks about hearing it too. And there's something powerful about listening to the word of God. And so you can join me this year if you want to. You can look for it in a podcast. Again, if you're a certain age range and use those, that's great. There's apps you can download, Daily Audio Bible. I have printouts of um, every month, the verses that he reads. But here's the deal, and some of you have gotten, some of you have felt pushed before, so I'm not pushing anyone into my way of doing something. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to be in the scriptures. That's what I want. I don't really care how you do it. I don't care if you listen to it. I don't care if you buy a Bible that divides it up. I went through one year chronologically. That was interesting if you've never done that before. Um, I don't care how you get engaged in it. I'll tell you what, if you just tell me, Ben, I'm just going to read uh, the book of Philippians every day for a year. Great. Really. You'll have it memorized when you get done. I guarantee you. Maybe you just want to read a chapter. That's fine, too. Because I guarantee you that every day when you sit down, God will reveal something through the Spirit that you didn't see there before. He will help you understand it. You will learn more, and you will be a better Christian for it. And if you are not a Christian yet, God will soften your heart to hopefully you'll be receptive that when he does move, you will give in. And so, brothers and sisters, my challenge is we end one year and look to the next. Open the book. Don't go to a friend. Don't go to a trusted family member. Don't Google it. Don't take the batteries out. Don't call a group of people around the piano to get frustrated because you can't turn it on. Just open the book and read what it has to tell you and act accordingly. That is obedience. And so no matter how you find a way to do it this year, please, please, please read the book. And I'll close with this. You want a better you next year? Read the Bible. You want a better family next year? Read the Bible. You want a better church? Read the Bible. You want a better experience at work? Read the Bible. You want school to go differently? Read the Bible. The answer is right here. And while we have access to it in a dark world, I pray that we'd use it. And I pray that you would use it. I pray that God would see fit to encourage you, to help you, and to reveal himself through the word in powerful ways.
so that we are changed to be more like 